All right, so we'll be reading that every week for about eight or nine weeks. So by the end of it, hopefully we know it. It's been infused into our minds and our hearts. And uh, hopefully God has transformed us, or is transforming us to be like this. Um, do you want to go hand out one of these to each person? Uh, yeah, we look at the hand out one hand to each person. All right. So today we're looking at the second part of verse 5. Love is not irritable, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Let's go to the next slide, son. So, coming around right now is pen and paper, and I want to encourage you to answer this question. And we're not going to share this because this is deeply personal. And so, obviously, if if it's too hard to do this, you don't need to do it. But if you can, it's just just for you, between you and God today. Can you write down two of the worst times in your life that you've become bitter or angry because someone wronged you or mistreated you? So, if possible, be specific about what happened and choose something relatively recent in the last few years. Write the details down. If this is something which is too raw or hard, don't worry about it. But we're going to spend just three minutes silently writing it down and take the piece of paper away with you so you don't have to worry that it gets seen by anyone else. And we're, going to, we're going to come back to this. Okay. And if, you, if you've written something great and you couldn't, that's okay too. Let's get um, All right. So, I'm going to play this scene from Frozen, which is good. <laughs> I was thinking about scenes of betrayal, and uh, I could have Lando Cruising in The Empire Strikes Back, but Simon didn't think people would know that one. But he generally would know this one in Frozen. I don't know Frozen. Oh, Prince Hans. There you go, Simon. Let's go. Prince Great scene of betrayal, isn't it? Amazing. Is this Frozen 1 or 2? Frozen 1. Oh, I don't remember. No, we have all that comes the same So, Annie, Annie, how should Elsa be feeling at this day? Uh, sorry? How, how should Annie be feeling? Very betrayed, angry, bitter. Because of Elsa's feelings. And how should she feel about Hans? Disappointed. 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 Angry. I imagine incredibly angry because you've just been betrayed by him. Let's go to the next slide, Sam. <coughs> when we feel betrayed, we remember it. It burns into our hearts, I think. Um, it's hard to forget betrayals. It's hard to forget when someone really wrongs us. But where can it lead, you know? What happens? So think about things in your life where someone might have betrayed you if you've been bullied. Constantly arguing with someone who's close to you. Or when people have gossiped about you. Or when someone's changed a will. A parent has changed a will because a brother or sister has betrayed you and got them to give everything to them and not to you. These are probably things that some people have experienced in their lives. There's a whole lot more... Every one of us would have been betrayed somewhere, wronged at some time. And sometimes that might have been a really great wrong. But what happens if we keep track of it? 
record of it. What happens? Let's go to the next slide. So, this is from a few years ago. Uh, there was a boy who felt greatly wronged at school by some of his peers, by some of his teachers, and he kept a record of it in a diary. And he just got more and more angry and angry because of it. I'll just read some of the, the bits from this newspaper article. Carl Pearson, who killed a classmate himself in December, in December wrote that he'd become a psychopath in a book. Police have said Pearson held a grudge against his debate coach and was targeting him when he entered the school with a shotgun, machete, homemade bombs and 125 rounds of ammunition. Pearson shot and killed Davis, who was sitting with a friend in the hallway before taking his own life. School psychologists had already ruled that he had trouble controlling his impulses, according to reports. He'd been assessed by school, uh, by threat assessment being done, so he'd been seeing a psychologist because of that to manage his anger. He wrote in his diary that uh, it was a waste of time seeing a psychologist. But he kept track of all the things that he perceived to be done to him that were wrong by people. He wrote it in a diary. Let his anger build up more and more and more. And that's where it led to his shooting. This is what Corinthians says about keeping track of wrongs, letting anger build up. If you remember, of course, the Bible wasn't written in modern English. It was written in an ancient language, ancient Greek. And so we have lots of different translations from that ancient Greek into modern language. And these are some of the translations. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's how the NIV translates. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. NLT says, love isn't irritable. And it keeps, keeps no record of being wronged. King James says, Love is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. In the ESV it says, Love is not irritable or resentful. And uh, this is what it looks like in the ancient language, which can be translated as, Love is not easily angry or irritable. And it keeps a record or keeps no record of evil or crime or badness or wrongdoing. Let's go to the next slide, Sam. So I've got a question for reflection. Um, and again, to write down. It says in that passage, love isn't easily angered. So, so when is it okay to get angry? Write down any thoughts you have about when it's actually okay to get angry. All right, hopefully you You've written down some thoughts about when it's okay to get angry, Matthew. Finn, you've written down some thoughts about when it's okay? Cool. All right, let's go to the next slide, Sam. All right. Well, let's move on. When 18-year-old Paul Ryan and Cody came out of the gate, I think we've gone forwards a bit too far. Okay, go to slide 10, please. Well, best thing to do is, I thought, to look at the Bible. Now, Malcolm gave a talk about this uh, about a year ago. I don't know whether you remember. We looked at the divine emotions in, in that uh, kids' cartoon. What's it called? Inside Out. Yeah. And one of the emotions was anger. And Malcolm gave a really thought-provoking sermon on it, I remember. And I've gone back to the Old Testament, New Testament, to see what does the Bible say about anger, and it really did align with what Malcolm said, I think. So some observations from the Old Testament are that probably is something which is righteous anger. Um, 
And that, that is, it's okay to be angry when God is replaced by idols. Now, I guess in the Old Testament that's like the golden calf or Baals, but it might be something a little bit different in our lives and our experience. But remember, for example, when, uh, when the Israelites built a, an idol, God was angry. Um, and in fact, this passage talks about God's, God's anger and Moses' anger. Because the Israelites hadn't followed me wholeheartedly, says God, his anger burned against Israel and he made them one in the wilderness for 40 years. So that's one area in the Bible where anger is righteous. The other area, which is seen a lot in the Old Testament prophets, is when there is really great injustice being brought about against another person. And that's particularly when God's people are doing that injustice. It's righteous to be angry when you see that injustice. And God is angry with that, according to the Old Testament. But that's really where anger fits in the Old Testament. Next one, son. Looking a bit further into it, I noticed when I was reading about anger today that there are many, many warnings against anger. Heaps of warnings. So in Proverbs, there's lots of warnings in the Old Testament. In Proverbs, there's lots of Proverbs against it. For example, this one in Proverbs 19. Good sense makes one slow to anger. It's to his glory to overlook an offence. And then Jesus, of course, on Sermon on the Mount, spoke about anger. He said, you've heard that it said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother will be subject to judgment. And James explained why anger is, is wrong. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Throughout the whole Old New Testament, there's so many warnings against anger. One other observation about anger in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God is very, very slow to anger. He doesn't anger easily. Psalm 145 says this, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. There's that real link between love being connected to being slow to anger. The Old Testament's full of uh, allusions to that, so is the New Testament. For example, this passage in Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. There's a lot of discussion about being slow to anger, forgiving, being merciful. So, according to the Bible, we should be getting angry at our peril. We are commanded, called not to get angry. So if you're getting angry, you're doing it at a very perilous cost. Love's not easily angered. That's what Corinthians 13 says. Jesus said, anyone who's angry is subject to judgment. And in fact, he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In other words, if we can't forgive others, we're not going to be forgiven. Real huge warnings against anger in the Bible. So, thinking about this idea of righteous anger, when is it okay to be angry? I found this quote in Christianity Today, which I think is really good. Ultimately, if our outrage results in restoring people into loving, healing relationships with Jesus, then it's righteous anger. Anger that's directed at reconciliation, that brings about reconciliation with God and others. Maybe that's okay. But if it's not, 
anger directed at this, then it's dangerous. So could we say it's the motivation behind it? I think so, Neil. Yeah. I think so. Like all things, motivation is usually the key, isn't it? So the passage in 1 Corinthians 13 reads this way. Love is not easily angered, irritable, doesn't keep record of evil or crimes or wrong. So like we've been doing the last few weeks, I think it's kind of nice to look at the words that are actually used. We're looking at very small passages of the Bible, so it's really good to look at the actual words themselves. And the word for not easily angered is parasunetai. parasunetai. And that word only occurs twice in the New Testament. So that means, as we talked about previously, it's hard to know exactly what it does mean. But the only other time it occurs, because obviously ancient Greeks are dead language, the only other time it occurs is in Acts 16, when Paul went to the Areopagus, Acts 17, in, in Greece, in Athens, and he saw all the idols. And he felt this word, which has been translated, easily angered. And it's translated in Acts 17 as, he's greatly distressed. He was greatly distressed. And so maybe this is an, an example of where it's okay to get angry. Paul was angry or distressed because of all these idols, all these people, all these gods taking the real God's place. It also shows us how to respond to that sort of anger because we can see how Paul actually responded in a really positive way. So anyone remember how Paul responded when he came to Athens and saw all these idols? How did he respond? He sort of spoke to them and he said, you know, it says to like an unknown God. Yeah. And he says, well, I'm going to teach you who that God is. Yeah. So, you know, the Bible says, hey, someone who's an elder must be must be patient and, um, you know, try and persuade yeah. quietly and respectfully yeah. the truth. And Paul was certainly very respectful, wasn't he? So the very next line after Paul's greatly distressed says he reasoned with them. He went there and he spoke with them and listened to them and they listened to him. He reasoned. He didn't pull out a, a sledgehammer. He didn't break them out stupid. He sort of yeah. was showed them respect on yeah. the level. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting, interesting um, connection with this passage here. The second word there, keeping a record, comes from the word elixitai. And that's a word that occurs a lot in the New Testament, and it has a variety of meanings throughout the New Testament, including to credit, to regard, to count, to keep a record, to think, to consider. And then the final word, kakon, that's a word that occurs a lot, of, a lot in the New Testament as well, 50 times. And that, in that context, in those 50 times, it always relates to evil or wrongdoing or a crime or injury or badness. So, put all this together, and I think that all this comes together to mean if you are angry when you are wronged, if I'm angry when I'm wronged, you bear a grudge, if I bear a grudge against someone else, if you're keeping a record, or I'm keeping a record of the sins of someone else against me, and I won't forgive them, then I'm not demonstrating real love. I think that's what this is all about. I think they all connect together. The anger connects to forgiveness and grudges. So just a personal reflection time. I don't need to write anything. Um, but do you get irritated and angry? Is that something that's part of who you are? 
repaid and angry when he's going to clean up the messy room and you've been telling him 50 times. I know, I've written down. <laughs> Do you get angry when someone pushes in and barges in when you're driving a car? <laughs> Little things, they make you angry. Yeah, get angry because of disagreements in a family, in your family, or among your friends. Does church conflict make you angry? It's worth thinking about that. And if you are getting angry at these things, why are you getting angry? Why do these things make me angry? You think a bit deeper. How many times in your life have you done things that sh- could make others angry? How have you, have you told lies to people, hurt them through lies, or stolen something from someone who's close to you? Have you ever bullied someone, shouted at someone? Have you ever, have you ever gossiped about someone behind their backs? Is that something that you've ever done or I've ever done? Pretty sure we've all done it. I don't deserve forgiveness for that. You don't deserve forgiveness for the times you've done those things. In fact, the Bible tells us what's going to happen because of those things we've done. The wages of our sin. The wages of death. That's what it says in Romans. Hell, in other words. That's what the outcome's going to be. And yet... I don't deserve forgiveness, and you don't deserve forgiveness, and yet, this is what God says. In Isaiah, he said, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And a few chapters later, God says this, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions, your sins, for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Yeah, exactly. Praise God. And the New Testament puts it like this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We received this forgiveness. We've received this mercy. God hasn't continued in anger to us hasn't held a grudge against us, even though he should. That's how great God's love is to us. I want you to return to the two things you wrote down at the beginning of the service. Have you forgiven? If you haven't, can you forgive? Forgiving doesn't mean you never confront the person who wronged you. A child that's away with needs to be confronted. Relationships where going wrong, getting help, talking about it with others, with a counsellor, it's a good thing. Standing up to a bully, that's important. Not keeping a record of a wrong, forgiving, doesn't mean you don't make wise decisions in the future. 
You don't let an alcoholic person get in the car. You don't give them your keys. You don't, you know, get a gambler who's in our family campaign card. But forgiving doesn't mean not, you know, not changing what we do. But we are called to forgive. We are called to not be angry. We're called to love, to never bear a grudge. It's our challenge as followers of Jesus. The challenge is to love like God. He sent his son to love us because he doesn't bear a grudge against us. Our call, our challenge is to forgive like God can forgive us. So don't bear grudges. Don't be angry when you're wronged. That's the message of 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5.